Section 31 of the Arabian Nights Entertainments, Volume 3, translated by Jonathan Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Story of Ali Baba and the Forty Robbers Destroyed by a Slave, Part 3. She had not waited long before the captain of the robbers got up, opened the window, and finding no light, and hearing no noise, or any one stirring in the house, gave the appointed signal by throwing little stones, several of which hit the jars, as he doubted not by the sound they gave. He then listened, but not hearing or perceiving anything, whereby he could judge that his companions stirred, he began to grow very uneasy, threw stones again a second and also a third time, and could not comprehend the reason that none of them should answer his signal. Much alarmed, he went softly down into the yard, and going to the first jar, whilst asking the robber whom he thought alive, if he was in readiness, smelt the hot boiled oil, which sent forth a steam out of the jar. Hence he suspected that his plot to murder Ali Baba and plunder his house was discovered. Examining all the jars one after another, he found that all his gang were dead, and by the oil he missed out of the last jar, guessed the means and manner of their death. Enraged to despair at having failed in his design, he forced the lock of a door that led from the yard to the garden, and climbing over the walls, made his escape. When Morgiana heard no noise, and found after waiting some time, that the captain did not return, she concluded that he had chosen rather to make his escape by the garden than the street door, which was double locked. Satisfied and pleased to have succeeded so well in saving her master and family, she went to bed. Ali Baba rose before day, and followed by his slave, went to the baths, entirely ignorant of the important event which had happened at home, for Morgiana had not thought it safe to wake him before for fear of losing her opportunity, and after her successful exploit, she thought it needless to disturb him. When he returned from the baths, the sun was risen. He was very much surprised to see the oil jars, and that the merchant was not gone with the mules. He asked Morgiana, who opened the door, and had let all things stand as they were, that he might see them, the reason of it. "'My good master,' answered she, God preserve you and all your family. You will be better informed of what you wish to know when you have seen what I have to show you, if you will but give yourself the trouble to follow me. As soon as Morgiana had shut the door, Ali Baba followed her, when she requested him to look into the first jar and see if there was any oil. Ali Baba did so, and seeing a man, started back in alarm and cried out, do not be afraid, said Morgiana. The man you see there can neither do you nor anybody else any harm. He is dead. Ah, Morgiana, said Ali Baba, what is it you show me? Explain yourself. I will, replied Morgiana. Moderate your astonishment, and do not excite the curiosity of your neighbours, for it is of great importance to keep this affair secret. Look into all the other jars. Ali Baba examined all the other jars one after another, and when he came to that which had the oil in, found it prodigiously sunk, 
and stood for some time motionless, sometimes looking at the jars, and sometimes at Morgiana, without saying a word, so great was his surprise. At last, when he had recovered himself, he said, "'And what is become of the merchant?' "'Merchant,' answered she, "'he is as much one as I am. I will tell you who he is, and what is become of him. But you had better hear my story in your own chamber, for it is time for your health that you had your broth after your bathing.' While Ali Baba retired to his chamber, Morgiana went into the kitchen to fetch the broth. But before he would drink it, he first entreated her to satisfy his impatience and tell him what had happened, with all the circumstances, and she obeyed him. "'Last night, sir,' said she, "'when you were gone to bed, I got your bathing linens ready and gave them to Abdullah. Afterwards I set on the pot for the broth, but as I was preparing the materials, the lamp for want of oil went out.' and as there was not a drop more in the house, I looked for a candle, but could not find one. Abdullah, seeing me vexed, put me in mind of the jars of oil which stood in the yard. I took the oil-pot, went directly to the jar which stood nearest to me, and when I came to it, heard a voice within, saying, Is it time? Without being dismayed, and comprehending immediately the malicious intention of the pretended oil-merchant, I answered, not yet, but presently. I then went to the next, when another voice asked me the same question, and I returned the same answer, and so on till I came to the last, which I found full of oil, with which I filled my pot. When I considered that there were thirty-seven robbers in the yard, who only waited for a signal to be given by the captain, whom you took to be an oil merchant, and entertained so handsomely, I thought there was no time to be lost. I carried my pot of oil into the kitchen, lighted the lamp, afterwards took the biggest kettle I had, went and filled it full of oil, set it on the fire to boil, and then poured as much into each jar as was sufficient to prevent them from executing the pernicious design they had meditated. After this I retired into the kitchen and put out the lamp, but before I went to bed waited at the window to know what measures the pretended merchant would take. After I had watched some time for the signal, he threw some stones out of the window against the jars, but neither hearing nor perceiving anybody stirring, after throwing three times, he came down when I saw him go to every jar, after which, through the darkness of the night, I lost sight of him. I waited some time longer, and finding that he did not return, doubted not but that, seeing he had missed his aim, he had made his escape over the walls of the garden. Persuaded that the house was now safe, I went to bed. This, said Morgiana, is the account you asked of me, and I am convinced it is the consequence of what I observed some days ago, but did not think fit to acquaint you with. For when I came in one morning early, I found our street door marked with white chalk, and the next morning with red upon which, both times, without knowing what was the intention of those chalks, I marked two or three neighbours' doors on each side in the same manner. If you reflect on this, and what has since happened, you will find it to be a plot of the robbers of the forest, of whose gang there are two wanting, and now they are reduced to three. All this shows that they had sworn your destruction, and it is proper you should be upon your guard, while there is one of them alive." 
for my part i shall neglect nothing necessary to your preservation as i am in duty bound when morgiana had left off speaking ali baba was so sensible of the great service she had done him that he said to her i will not die without rewarding you as you deserve i owe my life to you and for the first token of my acknowledgment give you your liberty from this moment till i can complete your recompense as i intend i am persuaded with you that the forty robbers have laid snares for my destruction god by your means has delivered me from them as yet and i hope will continue to preserve me from their wicked designs and by averting the danger which threatened me will deliver the world from their persecution and their cursed race all that we have to do is to bury the bodies of these pests of mankind immediately and with all the secrecy imaginable that nobody may suspect what is become of them but that labour abdullah and i will undertake ali baba's garden was very long and shaded at the farther end by a great number of large trees under these he and the slave dug a trench long and wide enough to hold all the robbers and as the earth was light they were not long in doing it afterwards they lifted the bodies out of the jars took away their weapons carried them to the end of the garden laid them in the trench and levelled the ground again when this was done ali baba hid the jars and weapons and as he had no occasion for the mules he sent them at different times to be sold in the market by his slave while ali baba took these measures to prevent the public from knowing how he came by his riches in so short a time the captain of the forty robbers returned to the forest with inconceivable mortification and in his agitation or rather confusion at his ill success so contrary to what he had promised himself entered the cave not being able all the way from the town to come to any resolution how to revenge himself of ali baba the loneliness of the gloomy cavern became frightful to him where are you my brave lads cried he old companions of my watchings in roads and labour what can i do without you did i collect you only to lose you by so base a fate and so unworthy of your courage had you died with your sabres in your hands like brave men my regret had been less when shall i enlist so gallant a troop again and if i could can i undertake it without exposing so much gold and treasure to him who hath already enriched himself out of it i cannot i ought not to think of it before i have taken away his life i will undertake that alone which i could not accomplish with your powerful assistance and when i have taken measures to secure this treasure from being pillaged i will provide for it new masters and successors after me who shall preserve and augment it to all posterity this resolution being taken he was not at a loss how to execute his purpose but easy in his mind and full of hopes slept all that night very quietly when he awoke early next morning he dressed himself agreeably to the project he had formed went to the town and took a lodging in a khan as he expected what had happened at ali baba's might make a great noise he asked his host what news there was in the city upon which the innkeeper told him a great many circumstances which did not concern him in the least he judged by this that the reason why ali baba kept his affairs so secret 
was for fear people should know where the treasure lay, and because he knew his life would be sought on account of it. This urged him the more to neglect nothing to rid himself of so cautious an enemy. The captain now assumed the character of a merchant, and conveyed gradually a great many sorts of rich stuffs and fine linen to his lodging from the cavern, but with all the necessary precautions imaginable to conceal the place whence he brought them, in order to dispose of the merchandises, when he had amassed them together, he took a warehouse, which happened to be opposite to Cassim's, which Ali Baba's son had occupied since the death of his uncle. He took the name of Khawja Hussein, and as a newcomer, was, according to custom, extremely civil and complacent to all the merchants his neighbours. Ali Baba's son was from his vicinity one of the first to converse with Khawja Hussein who strove to cultivate his friendship more particularly when, two or three days after he was settled, he recognised Ali Baba, who came to see his son, and stopped to talk with him as he was accustomed to do. When he was gone, the impostor learnt from his son who he was. He increased his assiduities, caressed him in the most engaging manner, made him some small presents, and often asked him to dine and sup with him when he treated him very handsomely. Ali Baba's son did not choose to lie under such obligation to Khawja Hussein without making the like return, but was so much straitened for want of room in his house that he could not entertain him so well as he wished. He therefore acquainted his father Ali Baba with his intention, and told him that it did not look well for him to receive such favours from Khawja Hussein without inviting him in return. Ali Baba, with great pleasure, took the treat upon himself. "'Son,' said he, "'to-morrow being Friday, which is a day that the shops of such great merchants as Khalja Hussein and yourself are shut, get him to take a walk with you. And as you come back, pass by my door and call in. It will look better to have it happen accidentally than if you gave him a formal invitation. I will go and order Morgiana to provide a supper.' The next day, Ali Baba's son and Khawja Hussein met by appointment, took their walk, and, as they returned, Ali Baba's son led Khawja Hussein through the street where his father lived, and when they came to the house, stopped and knocked at the door. "'This, sir,' said he, "'is my father's house, who, from the account I have given him of your friendship, charged me to procure him the honour of your acquaintance.' and I desire you to add this pleasure to those for which I am already indebted to you. Though it was the sole aim of Khalja Hussein to introduce himself into Ali Baba's house, that he might kill him without hazarding his own life or making any noise, yet he excused himself and offered to take his leave. But a slave having opened the door, Ali Baba's son took him obligingly by the hand and in a manner forced him in. Ali Baba received Khawja Hussein with a smiling countenance, and in the most obliging manner he could wish. He thanked him for all the favours he had done his son, adding withal, the obligation was the greater, as he was a young man not much acquainted with the world, and that he might contribute to his information. Khawja Hussein returned the compliment by assuring Ali Baba that though his son might not have acquired the experience of older men, he had good sense equal to the experience of many others. 
after a little more conversation on different subjects he offered again to take his leave when ali baba stopping him said where are you going sir in so much haste i beg you would do me the honour to sup with me though what i have to give you is not worth your acceptance but such as it is i hope you will accept it as heartily as i give it sir replied khaujah hussein i am thoroughly persuaded of your good will and if i ask the favour of you not to take it ill that i do not accept your obliging invitation i beg of you to believe that it does not proceed from any slight or intention to affront but from a reason which you would approve if you knew it and what may that reason be sir replied ali baba if i may be so bold as to ask you it is answered khaujah hussein that i can eat no victuals that have any salt in them therefore judge how i should feel at your table if that is the only reason said ali baba it ought not to deprive me of the honour of your company at supper for in the first place there is no salt ever put into my bread and as to the meat we shall have to-night i promise you there shall be none in that therefore you must do me the favour to stay i will return immediately ali baba went into the kitchen and ordered morgiana to put no salt to the meat that was to be dressed that night and to make quickly two or three ragouts beside what he had ordered but be sure to put no salt in them morgiana who was always ready to obey her master could not help this time seeming somewhat dissatisfied at his strange order who is this difficult man said she who eats no salt with his meat your supper will be spoiled if i keep it back so long do not be angry morgiana replied ali baba he is an honest man therefore do as i bid you morgiana obeyed though with no little reluctance and had a curiosity to see this man who ate no salt to this end when she had finished what she had to do in the kitchen she helped abdullah to carry up the dishes and looking at khaujah hussein knew him at first sight notwithstanding his disguise to be the captain of the robbers and examining him very carefully perceived that he had a dagger under his garment i am not in the least amazed said she to herself that this wicked wretch who is my master's greatest enemy would eat no salt with him since he intends to assassinate him but i will prevent him morgiana while they were eating made the necessary preparations for executing one of the boldest acts ever meditated and had just determined when abdullah came for the dessert of fruit which she carried up and as soon as abdullah had taken the meat away set it upon the table after that she placed three glasses by ali baba and going out took abdullah with her to sup and to give ali baba the more liberty of conversation with his guest khaujah hussein or rather the captain of the robbers thought he had now a favourable opportunity of being revenged on ali baba i will said he to himself make the father and son both drunk the son whose life i intend to spare will not be able to prevent my stabbing his father to the heart and while the slaves are at supper or asleep in the kitchen i can make my escape over the gardens as before instead of going to supper morgiana who had penetrated the intentions of the counterfeit khaujah hussein 
would not give him time to put his villainous design into execution, but dressed herself neatly with a suitable headdress like a dancer, girded her waist with a silver-gilt girdle, to which there hung a poniard with a hilt and guard of the same metal, and put a handsome mask on her face. When she had thus disguised herself, she said to Abdullah, "'Take your tabor, and let us go and divert our master and his son's guest, as we do sometimes when he is alone.' Abdullah took his tabor, and played all the way into the hall before Morgiana, who, when she came to the door, made a low obeisance, with a deliberate air, in order to draw attention, and by way of asking leave to exhibit her skill. Abdullah, seeing that his master had a mind to say something, left off playing. "'Come in, Morgiana,' said Ali Baba, "'and let Khalja Hussein see what you can do, that he may tell us what he thinks of you.' "'But, sir,' said he, turning towards his guest, "'do not think that I put myself to any expense to give you this diversion, "'since these are my slave and my cook and housekeeper, "'and I hope you will not find the entertainment they give us disagreeable.' Khalja Hussein, who did not expect this diversion after supper, "'began to fear he should not be able to improve the opportunity he thought he had found, "'but hoped, if he now missed his aim,' to secure it another time, by keeping up a friendly correspondence with the father and son. Therefore, though he could have wished Ali Baba would have declined the dance, he pretended to be obliged to him for it, and had the complaisance to express his satisfaction at what he saw pleased his host. As soon as Abdullah saw that Ali Baba and Khawja Hussein had done talking, he began to play on the tabor, and accompanied it with an air, to which Morgiana, who was an excellent performer, danced in such a manner as would have created admiration in any other company besides that before which she now exhibited, among whom, perhaps, none but the false Khawja Hussein was in the least attentive to her, the rest having seen her so frequently. After she had danced several dances with equal propriety and grace, she drew the poniard, and holding it in her hand, began a dance, in which she outdid herself by the many different figures, light movements, and the surprising leaps and wonderful exertions with which she accompanied it. Sometimes she presented the poniard to one's breast, sometimes to another's, and oftentimes seeming to strike her own. At last, as if she was out of breath, she snatched the tabor from Abdullah with her left hand, and holding the dagger in her right, presented the other side of the tabor, after the manner of those who get a livelihood by dancing, and solicit the liberality of the spectators. Ali Baba put a piece of gold into the tabor, as did also his son, and Khalja Hussein, seeing that she was coming to him, had pulled his purse out of his bosom to make her a present, but while he was putting his hand into it, Morgiana, with a courage and resolution worthy of herself, plunged the poniard into his heart. Ali Baba and his son, shocked at this action, cried out aloud. "'Unhappy wretch!' exclaimed Ali Baba. "'What have you done to ruin me and my family?' "'It was to preserve, not to ruin you,' answered Morgiana. "'For see here,' continued she, opening the pretended Khawja Hussein's garment and showing the dagger. "'What an enemy you had entertained!' Look well at him, and you will find him to be both the fictitious oil merchant 
and the captain of the gang of forty robbers. Remember, too, that he would eat no salt with you, and what would you have more to persuade you of his wicked design? Before I saw him, I suspected him as soon as you told me you had such a guest. I knew him, and you now find that my suspicion was not groundless. Ali Baba, who immediately felt the new obligation he had to Morgiana for saving his life a second time, embraced her. Morgiana, said he, I gave you your liberty, and then promised you that my gratitude should not stop there, but that I would soon give you higher proofs of its sincerity, which I now do by making you my daughter-in-law. Then, addressing himself to his son, he said, I believe you, son, to be so dutiful a child that you will not refuse Morgiana for your wife. You see that Khalja Hussein sought your friendship with a treacherous design to take away my life, and if he had succeeded, there is no doubt but he would have sacrificed you also to his revenge. Consider that by marrying Morgiana you marry the preserver of my family and your own. The son, far from showing any dislike, readily consented to the marriage, not only because he would not disobey his father, but also because it was agreeable to his inclination. After this, they thought of burying the captain of the robbers with his comrades, and did it so privately that nobody discovered their bones till many years after, when no one had any concern in the publication of this remarkable history. A few days afterwards, Ali Baba celebrated the nuptials of his son and Morgiana with great solemnity, a sumptuous feast, and the usual dancing and spectacles, and had the satisfaction to see that his friends and neighbours whom he invited had no knowledge of the true motives of the marriage, but that those who were not unacquainted with Morgiana's good qualities commended his generosity and goodness of heart. Ali Baba forbore, after this marriage, from going again to the robber's cave, as he had done from the time he had brought away his brother Cassim's mangled remains, for fear of being surprised. He kept away after the death of the thirty-seven robbers and their captain, supposing the other two, whom he could get no account of, might be alive. At the year's end, when he found they had not made any attempt to disturb him, he had the curiosity to make another journey, taking the necessary precautions for his safety. He mounted his horse, and when he came to the cave, and saw no footsteps of men or horses, looked upon it as a good sign. He alighted, tied his horse to a tree, then, approaching the entrance and pronouncing the words, Open Sesame, the door opened. He entered the cavern, and by the condition he found things in, judged that nobody had been there since the false Khaja Hussein, when he had fetched the goods for his shop, that the gang of forty robbers was completely destroyed, and no longer doubted that he was the only person in the world who had the secret of opening the cave, so that all the treasure was at his sole disposal. Having brought with him a wallet, he put into it as much gold as his horse would carry, and returned to town. Afterwards, Ali Baba carried his son to the cave, taught him the secret, which they handed down to their posterity, who, using their good fortune with moderation, lived in great honour and splendour. End of section 31 End of the story of Ali Baba